Welcome to Pete Talks Jobs. I'm your host, Pete Galt. We're actually going to go over here. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Shelly. I'm going to give her a call real quick here. Uh, but the reason we're talking with Shelly, and she's a 15-year uh, veteran of the nursing industry, and they, uh, you know, on Facebook Live, it just made me smile. I saw your comment there, Mike. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? <laughs> but uh, uh, going back to Shelly very quickly, again, a 15-year veteran of the nursing uh, career uh, industry, 15-year career veteran there. And um, the reason we're going to be talking with her is we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seven nursing opportunities that we're going to read through after we talk to her and we'll read through those briefly in i think as many different states or at least six different states out of the seven so i'm going to go ahead and push the button here it's ringing here we go hello hello is this shelly this is Shelly. How are you doing? Awesome. How are you, Shelly? This is Pete with Pete Talks Jobs. Thank you very, very much for agreeing to join us today, especially since today is the 4th of July. So thank you for sharing a few minutes out of your holiday with us. We really appreciate it. No problem. Awesome. Hey, Shelly, uh, I did talk a little bit about you uh, just before giving you a call. And let everyone know that you're a 15-year career veteran uh, here in the nursing industry, and uh, you've agreed to talk to us a little bit about your experience there. Uh, but uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your career experience? And uh, again, thanks for joining us. You, you know, you're a highly experienced medical professional. We're really excited to have you on with us, and I'm very thankful that uh, you've agreed to share a little bit of career insight for those that you know, those people that are considering nursing or who are maybe new to the nursing career industry. Uh, so again, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, no problem. And thank you for having me on your show. Um, I am a nurse. I, I started in 2003. Before that, I was working in the laboratory at the hospital and started, went back to school and came, got out of, graduated in 2003, went into the medical, um, medical surgical. So that's taking care of the regular general population. I wanted to get a solid base underneath me. And from there, I went into medical telemetry, which is where we uh, monitor the heart rate and, and, and put all those wires and bells and whistles on you. And then from there, I, I became uh, what they call an admission nurse, where I actually go around and talk to patients and perform all the safety stuff, make sure all the safety things are in place for you, make sure that we don't leave anything to chance, and you get taken care of and don't fall through any cracks. Uh, I graduated from Penn Valley Community College in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, the Metropolitan Community, part of the Metropolitan Community Colleges, and um, that's pretty much been my career so far. Wow, that's that's awesome. Thank you. And what what really then, to begin with, I know this is going back quite a ways now, uh, but what made you decide to go into the field of nursing to begin with? What what made you make that decision? Well, there were actually two things. 
Um, one was I do want to help people. Always that's first. If, if you don't have the calling for it, don't do it. The second one was money. <laughs> I was working in the lab at the time. I loved working in the lab. I was going up drawing blood, um, taking care of specimens, getting preparing them for um, the lab, the, the technologist, lab tech twos, I think is what they call them, uh, to run all the tests. And I loved the job, but it wasn't enough to pay for a house and a car. It was enough to pay for a car or to pay for an apartment, but it wasn't enough for both. And so I started looking at what I could do that would help people and um, that would give me job security and also provide for me in a way that I want to be kept accustomed. So, and that's why I started looking at nursing and it's done all of that. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, I, real quick question, since you mentioned the, the money in the, in the Missouri, the Kansas City area, that, that's where you still are, correct? Yes. Yeah. In that general area, what would somebody maybe new to nursing, whether they're an RN, LPN, uh, whatever it might be, what would, what on average do you think they would expect as a starting wage rate in, in that, in that area? What have you seen? Well, an LPN would make probably about 16 to $20 an hour, a registered nurse, which is what I am, a registered nurse with an associate degree, um, starts out at $20 to $24 an hour. Okay. All right. So that's that's good to know. That That's a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's actually a pretty strong starting point for someone going in as a, as a new, you know, new to the career there. Now, in thinking back, or maybe even, you know, throughout your career, when interviewing for a nursing job, what kind of questions should people expect to be prepared to answer? You know, maybe for those just starting out or still somewhat new to the, pro- to the profession, what, what questions should they be ready to answer? The questions that most people are concerned about are the ones where you start talking about which patient would you go to see first and, and the NCLEX, which is the the tests that you take to become a nurse, those type of questions. But what you need to understand is they know, the hospital knows that you're new. The people that are hiring hiring you know that you're new. As long as you have a solid reason for why you would go to see that patient first or whatever the question is, if you have a solid reason for your answer, it's going to be okay. They just want to know that you are capable of thinking, that you do have a strong base underneath you. It's not necessarily about getting the most right answer it's about they want to know where your where your learning level is so they know if you're compatible with them so they just want to know that you have a strong base and that um, you have an actual reason for the for what you chose well that's very interesting I, i think that maybe is a little different than you know thinking about most different types of positions that are not necessarily healthcare related uh, that's interesting to hear that they're looking more for your ability to provide the analysis behind your answer. I, yes, because in nursing, as most nurses would tell you, especially as you're going through nursing school, they want you to pick the most right answer because they will have several answers on the test. Most of them are multiple choice, and they will have several answers on the test on the test that is actually correct but there's one that's the most right answer and that's what they're looking for on the test but when you get into real life things are not as nice and and tidy as we would like them to believe and so you have to at least have a reason for why you chose what you chose 
Okay, cool. Now, kind of flipping the tables on those who are being interviewed, what kind of questions would you suggest a nursing career seeker have ready to ask for their interviewers, the potential employers? Is there anything specific about the particular role they're interviewing for you might suggest, or maybe the people that work there, the facility or organization? What, what do you think would help them as far as formulating questions for their interviewer? Well, usually a part of the interview is going up and seeing several of the different units that they are, especially in a hospital setting, going up and seeing several of the different units that you may want to go and be a part of and that are looking for a nurse. The big, the, there are a couple of key things. Number one is teamwork. Two is how nice are the, are the people towards you? Are Is everybody running around or are they coming to see you and talk to you? Um, teamwork is a big deal. The people getting along is a big deal. So that's kind of what you want to look for. You want to look for people who get along with each other, people that most most employers hold their employees because their employees like working with each other. So you really want to try and find find something that that you will like being around people that you will like. And so having a good team where people are helping each other and doing things for one another is very helpful. Uh, one of the things that I would be asking, though, is about benefits. Pay benefits definitely, um, and retirement because this is a job. So you still need to know what those things are and what you're getting yourself into, and how you can be uh, compensated for it. Wow, those are great points. Thanks, and yeah, I'm surprised that you mentioned you know the consideration or thinking about uh, benefits and retirement. I think a lot of people don't take those into consideration not just in your field, but any field, when they're going to apply for a job, they forget to ask those questions or forget to take those things into consideration. And, you know, through my throughout my career history in HR and recruiting, there are some things, if I'm recruiting for a medical organization such as a hospital or, you know, somebody who provides health care, there's, there's something of an automatic assumption that they're simply going to provide some type of, of healthcare benefits or, or what have you. And that may not always be the case. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, well, there, oh, I'm sorry. No, go no, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Absolutely. Go ahead. Oh, well, what I was going to say is there, there are differences in some of the benefits. There are some times when the hospital will just give you the insurance and that's what you get is the health insurance. There are other hospitals which will actually say if you come to our hospital, if you if you get treated at our hospital, and part of it is covered by by the insurance that we provide, we will we will move right off the rest. We'll we'll cover the rest of it. So that's why benefits is really important. Wow. Because if you plan on having kids or you get sick, it's nice to know that if you go to your own hospital, you don't have to pay anything. There's nothing out of pocket other than the deductible. Wow. That's that's amazing. That's something that I hadn't actually been aware of, uh, but cool. So now I'm going to take you a little bit further back here. Well, actually, we keep talking about when you first started out, and I kind of want to do that again. You know, thinking back to when you were first starting out in your career as a nurse, what would you have liked for someone to tell you about or prepare you for? Uh, customer service. <laughs> I know that sounds a little strange and a little off topic, but um, critical thinking skills, time management, and customer service are three big things for nurse 
to be a nurse. Wow, those you want to say those again? You actually need. You, would you say those and again, please? The the critical thinking skills, time management. Critical thinking skills, time management, and and customer service. And customer service. Thank okay, you. I'm sorry I interrupted your train of thought. I wanted to reemphasize those. Those are unique areas to think about. But please go ahead, keep going. And the customer service, we get taught a little bit about time management, plus you'll get more of that at work. Um, as far as critical thinking skills, you're taught that in school, how, how to dissect a problem. But when it comes to customer service, it is very, very difficult because in the nursing prof profession, it is very unique in that there are times you have to tell the client no. And we're not talking about weird times like, oh, can I bring a zebra in? We're talking about, can I have more pain medication? Or I'd rather take this medication than that medication. And, or I want to get up and go to the bathroom, but they have two broken legs. That's not going to happen. So you have to be able to, to put it to the patient in a way that they can understand. And sometimes they're never going to understand. And that's, it is just the way that it is. Yet you still have to work with them for the next 10 hours. So customer service is a huge, huge thing. Wow. And you certainly, well, yeah, and as a nurse, you certainly aren't really dealing with, with people. Your customers, and I've never really thought of thought of people that way in, in a hospital setting or a healthcare setting. You, I've never actually even thought of them as customers. And certainly I've been there and didn't even think of myself as a customer in, in the past when I've needed medical care. You're dealing with people who are not at their best. <laughs> yeah. And that could be, mm -hmm. wow, that could be remarkably stressful. So Absolutely. that's that's a very interesting that you and, and that you emphasize that you're going to be with them for ten. Is that is that fairly common a ten hour shift? Uh, no, twelve hour shift. 12, Usually, I'm it sorry. happens like two hours into it when somebody has to go to the bathroom. So, okay. but for the next ten hours, you're still with that person and they're mad at you. So. They're mad because because you said no. That's interesting. Now, given that you know you have those type of situations, and that's obviously. Yeah, that, that stress that's there is obviously something you have to deal with and manage. What is it? You know, what what do you most enjoy? What have you most enjoyed about your nursing career? Well, there's the selfish things, which is the paycheck, because you can work as many hours as you want to work most in most hospitals, most places, um, or you can go to another facility and get a second job and work, and you're working three shifts, three twelves, and then you can go someplace else and work as much or as little as you like, or you can stay at your own hospital and do it. And that's good money. That's really good money, especially if you're at your own hospital, because that's time and a half. So just think about 20, if you're starting out with $20, that's $20 plus time and a half, that's a lot of money. It adds up really fast, especially when you're new. Um, the not so selfish part <laughs> is being able to help the patient and realizing that you are doing something really amazing. You're helping people get back out into the world and get back to where normal was. You're helping them learn what it's like to be sick, that being sick is a full-time job, and that being normal is actually pretty darn good. <laughs> that's funny being normal is pretty darn good that should be on a poster somewhere <laughs> you should coin that you should write that down and copyright it and slap it on a poster that's pretty good so 
Um, Shelly, I really, really appreciate you again taking some time, a few minutes to talk with us. But before I let you go, I would like you to, if, if you'd be so kind, to share a little bit of parting advice that you might have for those who are new to nursing or maybe those who have only been in it for a year or two. Given that you've got 15 years of experience as a medical professional and RN, what would you say to them? Wow. Um, I guess the biggest thing I would have to tell you, for, and this goes for everybody, but especially for nurses, if you don't like where you are, if you go home every night crying at the end of your shift, if it is that bad, do not be afraid to leave. There are too many gosh darn jobs out there that you can get for a nurse, as a nurse, that you don't have to put up with that crap. You just don't. It is, It is. Um, you know how they say it's a buyer's market or a seller's market? Mm-hmm. It's an employee's market right now. Nurses are, in high com- are, are, are worth their weight in gold, and the hospitals know it. So think of yourself as, as an amazing car, and, and whatever you have to do, and say, I'm not going to put up with this. This is, I deserve better than this, and I'm going to go for something better and do so. Don't stay at some place because that's where your retirement is. If you're going home crying every night, it's not worth it. Change. You can do it. It's scary, but you can do it. Go someplace else. That's wow. the biggest thing I can tell you. Wow. Well, well, Shelly, thank you very, very much. I really appreciate you taking some time, especially on your July 4th holiday uh, right here along with us. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. And hopefully you'll, you know, you've had a good enough time that you'll talk with us again sometime. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much. Enjoy your holiday. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Wow. So again, Shelly, thank you very much for for joining us. And that's our very, very first guest on Pete Talks Jobs. Welcome to Pete Talks Jobs. I'm your host, Pete Galt. This is this is so much fun. You know, we are again. I, I even have more uh, sales and marketing roles to talk about here, but uh, because we're talking about so many of those, and I've talked about him before here on the show. Again, we're going to be talking with Don Sevison today. Don is the founder and president of Action Result Services Inc. Uh, Action Result Services solves the lack of leads challenge uh, faced by small businesses. So, if you're a small business owner, uh, you know that that uh, and traditionally small businesses are less than um, you know those with 500 employees. If sourcing and finding new leads to drive your business is a challenge for you and your sales team, your sales department, and executives, Don Don's company is a group that can help no matter where you are, no matter what industry you're in. He he's really really good at what he does. In fact, his business coach his business coach system has been featured on ABC, CBS. Fox and NBC. So I tell you what, why don't we go ahead and uh, let's let's give Don a call. Here, we're gonna go ahead and click the button, and it says calling, calling, calling. Now it's ringing. Good morning, this is Don. Good morning, Don Sevison. How are you? <laughs> Good morning, Don. This is Pete. You are actually live on the Pete Talks Job Show. How are you this morning? 
I am very well, Pete. Thank you for having me. Great, great. Well, thanks for joining us. I've told everybody just a little bit about you. Uh, could you go ahead and just introduce yourself to everyone right quick? Absolutely. Again, my name is Don Sanderson. I'm the president and founder of a company called Action Results Services. What I do is uh, primarily small business sales and marketing, coaching and consulting. Uh, at the core of what I do is help small businesses solve the challenges of creating more leads so that they can get more business. I often joke people, uh, excuse me, business owners don't go to sleep at night wishing for a coach. They wish for more leads, and that's the problem that I look to solve for them. I also do some uh, sales training, sales management consulting, because of much of my past career has involved, been involved in that aspect of the business. So I'll do that as well on the consulting side. Wow. that's And that's actually, we've talked about that. I've actually talked you up a little bit here on the show in the past. And, and I know you and I have known each other for a little while here. And, and again, I really appreciate you being a guest today. Uh, it's... It's your training process that really has intrigued me and that I think can benefit a lot of employers, especially on the sales side. In fact, I've already talked about a couple of open sales careers this morning for a few employers uh, here on the show. Uh, Don, could you please tell us how your training process came about? Well, certainly, yeah. I mean, it's really a, it's an accumulation of a lot of, uh, you know, the fact that we've been doing something for a long time can, can benefit from us. And I've worked in the corporate world for many years, and I had the opportunity early in my career to work for Sprint, which was a long-distance company then, not so much a cellular company. And they were a fantastic learning organization. So I had the opportunity to do a, get a lot of training and development there, at, as well as many other companies that I've worked with and for. Uh, also, you know, always looking for opportunities to learn from outside sources, you know, things that seminars and training. So I'm a big believer in, you know, the old phrase, steal the best and leave the rest, because uh, there are a lot of smart people out there with a lot of great ideas. And I think part of our journey should be learning from those people that are smarter than us and taking that and leverage that information and use it to, to help others be successful because at the end of the day, we just have to keep learning and learning. So I would say that anything and everything I do is just an accumulation of years of, uh, of experience and uh, taking from others uh, stuff that I think is great and has been helpful to me and I've seen drive results for uh, organizations over the years. Wow, that's that's fantastic. Thank you. Now, with regard to your training process, how does how does your process benefit people, the people who are tasked with leading sales teams? You know, the what does it do for the sales VPs, directors, managers? Could you explain that a little bit? No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what I kind of dubbed the process that uh, in terms of. Uh, Developing the sales team is what I call moving the dots, and and uh, touch on that a little bit. But primarily, the biggest benefit is that it focuses on the entirety of the whole set, what I call the whole salesperson. So many managers, rightfully so, are focused on the performance. What are your numbers? How many calls did you make? How many appointments did you have? All of those metrics that are critically important in a sales organization. But oftentimes, what um, sales leaders don't really look at as much is the behavioral side. What is it that makes a salesperson, or really any employee, any employee, but in this case, a salesperson, what makes them great? And if you ask people what makes someone great, 
they will invariably use all kinds of behavioral type words. They're competitive, they're fun, they're flexible, they're hardworking, they're a good teammate, they have charisma, they're enthusiastic. These are the kinds of words that people use to describe greatness. So when you develop those skills, you basically are helping people develop what makes them great. So performance test almost has to increase when people improve those, you know, sometimes we refer to soft skills, I refer to them as behaviors, because that's really what they are. Um, so the individual obviously benefits by having someone focus on the, the, the entirety of that person, not just how many calls and how many appointments did you make, but more about how are you doing it, and let's talk about ways to make you more successful. So for the leaders, obviously, performance is the number, is the, is the obvious benefit. Because as people develop these greatness behavioral skills, they're obviously going to be better salespeople and their performance increases. I think it brings a, a certain level of clarity to, to the sales team. I know now what my performance targets are, but I also know what's expected of me. Of what, what kind of uh, behavior, what kind of culture uh, do we want to have here and define here? Um, so that I can be successful. And you certainly will see the, the salespeople appreciating this process as they see their performance increase and the clarity helps. Um, wow, that's amazing. The biggest thing, though, is twofold. You will see so much more feedback in this process, and you will see accountability, and you're really going to see the best kind of accountability, which is the team will start to help each other be accountable to these behaviors that make them great. It kind of creates a common language, for lack of a better term, uh, and uh, helps define a culture and increase the morale in that culture. Because as you know, Pete, if you if you don't define your culture, it's going to be defined for you by others. Uh, you really aren't wrong. To make sure that they define their culture. You're absolutely right, and it's amazing. It's amazing the cultures that are existing out there today because leaders don't take time to develop those cultures. They think that uh, you know they open the doors and they start a business. The business grows. They have employees, and a lot of times, and I've seen this throughout my own HR career. You walk in the door, and the culture it just does nothing but foster high turnover on employees now and it's and it's a little yeah it keeps me busy yeah but uh now don you talked a little bit about the the you've talked a little bit about leading and managing behaviors that lead to greatness and you you skimmed over a few of those very quickly um, how did you discover greatness behaviors uh, how, how did you come to recognize those that's a good question. I, I, it's, it's again kind of been developed over time, but when I got clarity around it is, is uh, when I worked for a company called the Bus Bank, I managed a fairly large sales team, and I talked about the behaviors, performance behaviors, and I really coached the team on the behavioral aspects that we've been talking about this morning. And on occasion, you would get uh, people that like, oh, Don, you spend too much time talking about these behaviors. As long as we're selling, what difference does it make? And, uh, you know, I always joke that uh, my, my two-year-old lizard brain response would have been, you guys, you dummies, you don't get it, just do what I tell you, which is usually not the best response. So what I did that morning before our sales meeting was send out a simple email, send me five, five words that describe the greatest employees that you work with, either here or elsewhere. And I just asked them to all shoot me that email before the sales meeting. So I started getting all these emails with these words. And what I did was I created a slide 
of the words that appeared the most. I think they had to show up at least 10 times before I would put them on the slide. And I dubbed that slide the greatness slide, and I had it up on the board, um, up on the screen, as the uh, sales team came in for the sales meeting this morning. I didn't say anything. It's just up there. And as we started the meeting, I thanked them for their emails. I told them these words up here are the words you gave me most frequently to describe a great employee. And uh, I, I said, I just asked a question, what kind of word is every word that is up here? And a couple of them sheepishly said, behaviors. And I said, absolutely right. And then I went into my poor acting. I'm not a good actor, but I went into the act and said, let me get this right. This is what you tell me makes people great at what they do, but you don't want me talking about it. And wow. I said, sorry, I'm not going to sell you out. I will continue to talk about it because I agree with you. These are the things that make people great. And that's kind of where the whole greatness piece of it solidified for me. And I've used that slide many, many, many times now as I've moved forward with developing salespeople and other employees and uh, seen it have tremendous results. Well, I, that's amazing. And I actually, I had the good fortune to yesterday sit in on one of your presentations. Thank you for inviting me to that, by the mm -hmm. way. I really appreciated that. Um, and I did get to see that aside, but I, I can't remember it, and I don't have the copy of it right in front of me. Uh, why don't you mm -hmm. share a, a handful of the words that are key in, you know, the what in how people defined what makes a great employee? Uh, go go ahead and, and maybe rattle off a handful of those, if you would. Absolutely. Yeah, I've got some of them right in front of me because they're, they're, they're ones that I assume people that are listening right now would probably be using themselves to, to, to describe a great boss they had or a great fellow employee they worked with. But the, the ones that show up the most often are things like trustworthy, flexible, um, organized, adaptive. They're motivated. Um, they're respectful. Uh, they bring in enthusiasm. They're driven. Uh, Hardworking comes in on that word as well. But then there are things like considerate and caring. Uh, they're responsible and they're positive. I mean, it's a lot of different traits, uh, but those are the words that tend to show up the more most when you just simple, simply ask someone to tell me about somebody great that you work with. And these are things that anybody can be if they choose to be. Some of them are more natural to us than others, but the good news is, is that this is what makes people really, really good in an organization. These are things that you can develop. You can ask people to say, tell me when I'm doing this. Tell me when I'm not doing this, because I do believe that if I develop these types of traits and behaviors, it will benefit me and therefore ultimately benefit the performance of the company. Um, so it's, I've always found it amazingly consistent how people answer the question when you ask them to describe a, a great employee. Um, so there is some universality to it uh, that I think is very helpful as you start to implement a process like this. You know, and it, it's um, these things are so amazing to me because, again, in, in my HR career and, and even some of the recruiting I do now, employers often describe just what you said when i when i look at a job description and i think okay mm -hmm. they've had a lot of turnover they're not having a great experience with the hires that they've been making what is different in what they're doing versus looking at a description of skills because obviously an employer generally no employer is going to hire a person without at least the core skill set needed for the position but beyond that, 
you know, it, it's it's amazing that when they start describing and using those words that you just shared, that they don't they haven't stopped to do that themselves. And it's funny because one of the jobs I just described before uh, we called actually has in their ideal candidate section of their job listing is detail-oriented, hyper-organized. I love that hyper-organized. <laughs> yeah, hyper. Outgoing personality, etc., etc. Now, with all these things in mind, what are some examples that you could provide on how uh, how it is hiring managers can actually hire for greatness? That's a great question. It's a great question. It's not a simple thing to do, but it's certainly if you're if you're focused on these things, it, it certainly can work. You, you make a great point um, about, I mean, certainly someone, if you're going to be in sales, you have to be able to sell. That, that's kind of the ticket into the ballgame, into the stadium. Um, you have to have the basic skills. I always joke, and people who know me will get this joke, is that if you hired me tomorrow as a mechanic, I would be a high-behavior person, but it's pretty. I'm pretty certain I would never become a high-performance person because one of my strengths is not fixing things. So you do have to have that basic skill. But when but the, the, the issue, though, is so many employers, when they hire, and we've all heard the phrase, hire for talent and train skill, and I say it with the air quotes because so many people only say it and they don't live it. Um, wouldn't it be great if you had a whole team of people that live these behaviors, they have the basic skills, and all, now you're training them on the skills of that job rather than teaching them how to be enthusiastic and dependable and considerate and detailed and organized and friendly. And this is where I think managers hiring people miss the mark is when you think about people that you didn't want to have on your team, certainly there are the performance ones, but the majority of them, one, were because they were a pain in your backside. The, the team wanted you to get rid of them because, again, they're not these things on the greatness slide. And uh, if people would think about it from the beginning when they're hiring, they would pay more attention to those things because, as we say, play the movie forward. If you don't have people with these traits, you're probably not going to be very happy with them, even if that for a period of time they're a high performer. But everybody listening today can think of somebody they've worked with that was a high performer, but you would have preferred they didn't work for that company. Why? Because of their behaviors. Um, and as a sales manager, that's a tough one. You want that person to improve their behaviors because none of us as a sales manager want to let go high performers. But they become very, very destructive, um, you know, in, in terms of the overall organization. So it's really, really important to focus on what are the behaviors of your best people. That's the place to start and identify what those are and then try to figure out how do you interview for those behaviors as well. Um, I always kind of laugh at the term behavioral interviewing because I believe that what most people refer to as behavioral interviewing is really situational interviewing. If this happened, what did you do? Exactly. What did you do or what have you done? Mm -hmm. That's really more based on a situation. That's not talking about my behaviors. No. Um, but I think it's about trying to uncover these traits. And one of the things I've done when I've uh, been interviewing candidates for sales roles, I've shown them this. And I've said, this is one of my expectations when you join this organization, these are the things that we want people on our team to be. And I will even joke with them, if you're not this, you probably don't want to work here because they'll probably drive you a little bit crazy talking about these things. <laughs> but it is a way to clearly communicate your expectations to a potential hire up front 
so that if they come into the organization and they're not living these things, you can quickly address that. And if it's, it's really egregious, that's not the right person for your team. So it, I think it's very important to incorporate it into your interview process because at the end of the day, you want people that look like these words. And if you're doing nothing to uncover those, and it's not real easy to do so, how do you how do you uncover that somebody is considerate? Well, you might ask questions about certain things they've done in their past that would indicate that they're considerate of others. Uh, easier said than done, but it is very, very possible, and that's part of the process of developing the interview questions that are based on those characteristics that you truly want to have as a part of the members of your team. Absolutely. Wow, Don, I really appreciate you sharing that and all this. This this really has been a great conversation. I wish I had more time. Maybe uh, at some point we can have you back again if that would be all right. But, uh, you know, I yeah, really love to. Awesome. I really, really I'm going to hold you to that, too. Uh, <laughs> I do want to thank you for sharing your uh, for sharing your insight here. Thank you very much. It's been incredibly helpful information. Now, for those who actually need your training, process support how can they get a hold of you what's the best way to reach you well the best way is to go to my website is uh, action result singular action result services.com um, and then you can uh, contact me through that I'd be happy also to just give my email address it's just Don at action result services.com uh, so either the email or the website will get you to me, but uh, certainly would love to speak with anybody that has interest in learning more about this or, or need in their organization. Awesome. Don, thanks again very much for joining us. I, I really do look forward to having you back again. Have a great day. Thank you, Pete. Appreciate it. Have a good day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow, that was awesome. I really am thankful that Don... Uh, joined us today. I hope that uh, those of you who are responsible for hiring sales teams and, you know, the employers we just talked about with sales openings uh, have a chance to reach out and maybe talk with Don a little bit. I know he'd love to hear from you. Again, you can go to actionresultservices.com. That's services with an S at the end. So A-C-T-I-O-N-R-E-S-U-L-T-S-E-R-V-I-C-E-S.com. And if you want to reach Don directly, just email him. It's just Don, D-O-N, at actionresultservices.com. And uh, I really appreciate, again, appreciate Don for joining us. That was fantastic. You're listening to Pete Talks Jobs on 21.6 The Net, internet radio. Pete Talks Jobs is a pre-recorded weekly syndicated podcast featured here on 21.6 The Net on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. 216thenet.com Thank you for tuning in to 216thenet 216thenet.com 216thenet is a station breaking the mold of radio as you know it. We bring only positive, inspiring shows to the airwaves. When you need a quick pick-me-up, you'll find it in many formats. Your path to success is paved with gratitude. We stay away from the negative aspects of most topics to give you your daily dose of encouragement. Welcome to 216thenet. 216thenet.com 
21 Sixth Annette is sponsored and supported in part by Natural Therapy Wellness Center, 815-385-8190, McHenryMassage.com. How often do you take time for yourself? A massage can be a great way to pamper yourself, but it can also help alleviate or sometimes even cure those ailments that you deal with regularly. Contact us today to speak to one of our certified therapists about your needs. Natural Therapy Wellness Center, 815-385-8190. 216th Net is brought to you in part by the generous support of our sponsor, Northern Illinois Windows, Inc. We are a commercial and residential window servicing company committed to providing the highest quality service at an affordable price. Our highly trained technicians will make every aspect of your window cleaning needs worry-free. Northern Illinois Windows, Inc. 815-385-6646. Again, 815-385-6646. Experience, education, character, and inherent ability with numbers. An exceptional CPA. These are the reasons why business owners choose Eric Mason of Mobile Accounting for their bookkeeping, payroll, and tax services. Call Eric at Mobile Accounting, 224-321-6859. That's 224-321-6859. 21 Sixth Annette is sponsored by and broadcast from Sticker Dude, the creators of Final Chaos. 815-322-2480, StickerDude.com. The Sticker Dude team brings over 25 years of experience from the graphic, marketing, and sales industry. Advertising on vehicles and other services, full attention on the design, print, and installation is given to your project. From in-house full-time installers to our top-of-the-line printing and finishing room. Contact us today to learn what you need to look for and why before committing to making an investment in vehicle wraps. We're not your corner sign shop. Sticker Dude, call 815-322-2480. Programming on 216th Net is brought to you in part by the support of our sponsor, Xtech Repair. Xtech Repair is a full-service IT business specialist providing managed services with 24-hour business support, in-store repair of broken cells, tablets, and screen replacements with both PC and Mac specialists on staff. Visit online at xtech.repair or in person at the corner of Pingree and 176 in Crystal Lake, Illinois, or call 815 815- Five one six eight zero seven five, and now we actually get to get on with the show. This is going to be so much fun today. We've got another guest, a special guest that will be joining us again. We'll be making that phone call here shortly, and we're going to actually have Bill. Bill Hasse is joining us. I've known Bill for a while now. Bill is he's a, he's a professional that. Um, Wow, I'm really looking forward to talking with him because he's actually provided some insight and thought to some of the issues even my HR clients have dealt with. Um, Bill actually has a little over 30 years of financial experience, 20 of those being on Wall Street and uh, the rest uh, down on Main Street, so to speak. Uh, He's actually 
advised uh, everyone from international bank traders to small businesses, small business owners, medium business owners, and uh, really helps them with actually proper accumulation, distribution, and protection of assets. Bill is a really, really cool guy to know. We've got quite a few questions lined up for him today. Let's jump in. I'm going to click the button. And I think we're going to be a little bit early, but I am actually excited to talk with Bill here. So let's get this going. It's a little dead air, isn't it? Now it's ringing. Hey, good morning, Bill. You are live on the Pete Talks Job Show. How are you this morning? Oh, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I I really do, really do thank you for being a guest this morning. Uh, Reason I'm really excited to have you join us is that uh, you and I have talked in the past actually quite a bit. And I did let everybody know that I've known you for a while. And uh, but you and I have talked and you've shared some amazing, an amazing amount of information and knowledge about how small to medium sized employers can prepare essentially prepare for the unexpected. And uh, in fact, I've had an HR client who lost a key employee after 34 years, and they're a small business, less than 20 employees. They were totally caught unaware, and it's taken them months to recover. Uh, I know you and I have talked about other situations, but um, first, and I kind of did this backwards on you, I know a little bit here. I'm just so excited to have you on today. Uh, And enough of me... (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is pretty cool. I really enjoy talking with you. I always do. Uh, So enough of me rambling on. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you'd like everybody to know. Uh, Well, uh, thanks again, Peter. Uh, You know, we've worked together. You've helped some of my clients, and and, uh, I'll continue to look for your support and help with others. But uh, I come from a background of finance over 30 years, been 20 years on Wall Street and the trading pits of Chicago. uh, advising international clients, Far East, Middle East, Europe, uh, mostly banks, um, protection of their U.S. assets. Uh, but uh, I rolled that into Main Street and became a financial advisor and, you know, thought that would be a natural move. Found out it's really a completely different world, but um, but I love doing it, love helping people, and, and uh, have moved from just doing retirement planning but also working with small business owners, as you know, helping them protect their businesses and, uh, and uh, make sure that uh, they can pass that along to their family. That's awesome. Now, Bill, I know, again, we talked about some of these, and I actually just launched into a scenario that, uh, again, because I'm really excited to have you talk, but you've talked about a few recently I know of, too. But uh, And I know we're speaking in, in somewhat generalities here, but um, how, how could employers, whether they're small or medium, how could they prepare for eventualities like, again, losing a key employee that's been with them for 30-some-odd years, and wow, out the door went all of that internal knowledge, that kind of tribal knowledge, so to speak, that was in that person's brain, not written down anywhere. What, what do they do? How, how? What do you do in a situation like that? Well, you and I did discuss this one, and it kind of brought up another scenario where uh, I'm working with a company that you also have helped, and uh, they're a startup, and they, I said, what are you going to do for your sales team? They said, oh, we're just going to go out and find the top salesperson in our industry and we're going to steal him. We're going to pay him double to come over and take, bring all his relationships and knowledge 
on the industry. And uh, that's a scary situation for any business owner to lose somebody like that. And I think coming to you first and foremost is probably very beneficial in setting up procedures and processes and making sure that you have records of who are all your clients, who are all your relationships, uh, what do you have going on with them, what has gone on re most recently. Uh, you really need to know and have that information written down uh, so that someone else can step in. But uh, on top of that, there's also uh, such things as key man insurance. Key man insurance is really insurance that helps alleviate the cost of losing somebody like that. Uh, it gets very expensive. Uh, huh. If you lose your head salesperson, like in, in your case, um, that demoralizes the sales team. Uh, you've got to bring somebody in or move somebody up. You've got to train them. It's uh, very expensive, as you know, uh, bringing new employees on. So uh, there's a lot of costs involved. Uh, so key man insurance is one way a business owner can help protect against certain folks within their uh, within their business. Well, that's a very good point. I don't think key man insurance is something that a lot of small or medium-sized business owners are even aware of. Um, I know when I first went into business, I didn't even know such a thing existed. And um, it, it's really cool that you bring that up because I think that could help a lot of people if they ju even just take a moment to investigate that, see what it is and how it might help you. Uh, because even if you're a tiny employer, well, especially I think if you're a tiny uh, employer, you know, somebody under 20 employees or, you know, that matter, for that matter, under under 200 employees, you lose a key person. And man, the the cost and expense you go through is just excruciating. So thanks for bringing that up. Now, again, you and I have talked before about company ownership situations that dramatically change when owners pass away. Yeah, is 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 that something business owners, their families, can they actually do something about that before it happens? Um, I think the, the numbers are somewhere in the neighborhood of 82% of small business owners don't have a succession plan in place. Wow. And um, that's an unbelievably high percentage because uh, a lot of times they'll think, well, I'm just going to turn it over to a family member and, you know, everything will be hunky-dory, but... You know, you can run into a lot of problems in that scenario. Let's say you have four kids and two don't work in the business, two do, uh, and dad passes away, who's going to take it over? And the two working there think they're going to get it. And the, the two that don't work there think they still should get a piece of the action. If you don't have a plan in place and, and possibly insurance policies to help pay for that changeover because you're going to hit, get hit with a big tax bill, uh, you know, it's, it, it's important to have something like that. It may be your top sales guy that may be the one that's best to take over your business and not your child. But uh, you need to have some kind of a plan in place and, and, and so that there's a smooth transition because if you're looking to sell uh, a business, you know, after that type of event happens, um, you've dramatically decreased the value of your company because the head person's gone. Wow. Now, what in in a case like that though? What what even happens? You know, suppose you're a, you're an S corp, you're a small S corp, or uh, you know, and you've got shares that are divided up between owners. What happens to those? Uh, you know, what happens well, to the shares when? Different ways. Uh, it depends how you're set up. 
Uh, are they going to go equally to the other partners? Uh, can somebody else buy out those shares? Uh, are they awarded to another person? Uh, you know, it, this is a, a scenario where a family could typically lose control of a, what could be a third generation business. Man. If, it, if it's not set up properly, uh, you're very much open to losing that uh, business in the family. Well, and then you just mentioned, you know, the the partner scenario. And I know there are there are a lot of companies that I've dealt with where they, there are multiple, you know, at least two owners, partners, sometimes even more. And I mean, what you know, what do you do in the case where you have a particular partner who one day just walks in and says, hey, you know what? I'm done. I'm leaving. Or, you know, again, worse yet. You just dies unexpectedly, totally unexpectedly. I mean, either way, it's a surprise you're not ready to handle. So what now? Well, you you better have a buy sell agreement in place. What's a buy sell agreement? You know, if, if, if a partner passes away and all of a sudden, let's say you had a buy sell agreement from ten years ago and it was for five hundred thousand, business is now worth ten million, and you know, the, the wife comes in and says, well, that's 500000 is nice, but, you know, he was a 50% partner and the business is worth $10 million, I want my $5 million. You've got a, Now you've got a real problem. So you, having a buy-sell agreement is important. Having it uh, up to date is even more important because, again, that spouse is going to come back and now you're going to wind up in lit- litigation. And, again, that business most likely can't afford to pay out the true value and, and would have to go under in order to do so. Wow. Something anybody would want to happen. Yeah, really. Because, I mean, what are you going to do if somebody passes away? And sure, you've got a 10 million, you know, a business that's worth 10 million, but you've got to cover an awful lot out of that. A $10 million a year business, that value is value. That doesn't speak to all of your overhead because there's a good chunk, usually that supports, you know, a $10 million business. You've got, uh, what, what, what do you got supporting a $10 million business? Usually the, the infrastructure, the operations, employees, et cetera. Oh yeah. There's many aspects to a business that, that are revenue generating and many that are not revenue generating and, and, and drawing on the funds that, that, uh, but they're necessary. But, uh, it's important to really have protection in place because again, the wife is going to come in or the spouse uh, or partner is going to come in and, and say, you know, I, I want more money because it, it was worth more. Um, or let's say worst case scenario, uh, the spouse winds up having another partner in life and that partner is looking, you know, they're talking about what happened to her and partner says, well, wait a minute, we got to go back and, you know, get a piece of this action. You, you're owed it. You, you know, you deserve it. Um, and again, you, you could wind up in business with someone who doesn't know what they're doing, uh, who's only there for greedy reasons because you were not properly protected. Man. I've seen it happen many times. Man. And I know we're, we're painting a really dark picture here, I know. But these things do come. I mean, I've seen it. You've seen it. And it's scary. And you know, I, I don't know in your case, but in my case, I've lost clients because of situations like this. You know, the business just it goes away. Uh, they can't, you could be a well-established business. Like I said, even third generation, and it could all go away if not properly set up. 
most business owners don't know about a lot of these things because they're focused on building their business and, and they always have been. Right. And uh, so it's, it's important to get outside advice, but uh, um, you know, I, even something as simple as just having a will. Uh, I, you know, I've told you about a friend of mine whose uh, mother passed away and he thought he was taking over the business and, and uh, his brother had left 10 years ago, all upset at the family wasn't getting enough out of the business and started a competitive business. Mom passes away, doesn't have a will. The one son thinks he's taking it over and the other son shows up at the door and says, well, well, no, that's not going to happen. And they, you know, he said, well, I'll pay you off and buy you out your share. And he's like, no, I want the whole thing. So now it's going to be in probate court for years. Wow. And they'll and, and for all that time it's in probate court, you don't know if you're ever going to be able to keep that business or not. It could be taken away from you. Man. So something as easy as a will and having that in place. Look at uh, Prince, uh, Aretha Franklin, mm. uh, Steely Dan, Leonard Skinner. These are all big names, big money, and all these folks did not have a will. And uh, the only people who went there are the lawyers. Man. And that's, that's such a shame. I mean... You know, hitting so even just hitting everything right in business. So you, if you've got your key man insurance, if you've got your buy sell agreement, you keep keep all that updated to to cover the value of your business and such. Man, not having things in order on a personal level sounds like it could just be an all around disaster as well. Well, it's important that you have a good advisor, somebody who's going to meet with you at least once a year uh, to go over everything and make sure everything's in place uh, and properly in place and funded. That's uh, very important. It is, but which is, that is, that's, that's kind of what you do, isn't it? It's, it's a lot of what I do, yes. Yeah. Now, if people wanted to, you know, sit down and talk with you, I mean, you know, some of the insight you've given us here just right now, and I know, again, you and I have talked about these things before in the past, but just right now, I mean, this is incredible and incredibly insightful. Uh, I really appreciate you, you know, talking with, with me and, and for, for everybody here. Thank you very much. Um, how though, you know, how would people get in touch with you? How would you like them to get in touch with you if they'd like to uh, talk with you directly? What's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, I can give you my cell phone number is 847-942-4028. Cool. Uh, I can be, I can be found at Paradise Financial. We're in Johnsburg, Illinois. Awesome. Awesome. Bill, thank you again. I, I, I really, really appreciate you being with us. And uh, hopefully, you know, you'll maybe you'd like to come back again sometime or join us again sometime. Would that be all right? Always, always be happy to. You know, I enjoy talking with you, Pete, anytime. <laughs> cool. Bill, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. All right, you take care. All righty, bye-bye. You're listening to Pete Talks Jobs on 216 The Net, internet radio. Pete Talks Jobs is a pre-recorded weekly syndicated podcast featured here on 216 The Net on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. 216thenet.com. Thank you for tuning in to 216thenet, 216thenet.com.
21.6 The Net is a station breaking the mold of radio as you know it. We bring only positive, inspiring shows to the airwaves. When you need a quick pick-me-up, you will find it in many formats. Your path to success is paved with gratitude. We stay away from the negative aspects of most topics to give you your daily dose of encouragement. Welcome to 21.6 The Net. 216 the